Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Alexis the midwife. And I'm Becky the doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. This week, we'll be taking a closer look at pregnancy and birth during the pandemic and sharing another positive birth story with you. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us over on Instagram. We are delighted that we have a fantastic partnership this season with Sophie Le Giraffe, especially because this year is Sophie's 60th birthday. And we have some exciting things lined up in Sophie's honour across this season, including a special birthday celebration episode. If you want to see the full range of Sophie Le Giraffe products, head over to sophielegiraffe.co.uk. So pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa, get comfy and enjoy this week's episode of Notes from the Mother Box. Today we are joined by Rachel, mum to a gorgeous little girl who had a home birth last August and has agreed to come and share her experience of birthing during the pandemic with us. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Now, just diving straight in and going back to this time last year, and, you know, it's difficult to find the words really to explain what this last 12 months has been like. And obviously, from the perspective of Becky and I, we both work in the birthing field. I'm a midwife, Becky's a doula. We both teach, Becky massages. We've been seeing many women, albeit over Zoom, perhaps rather than face to face. We know this time has been drastically altered to what it is like outside of a pandemic life. How did you find pregnancy during the pandemic then feeding into preparation for your birthing and then the birth itself? Elodie is my firstborn, so I've got nothing to compare to. Mm-hmm. So in yeah. some ways, that's probably quite helpful because I haven't got a different pregnancy to be yeah. thinking, oh, that's been taken away from me. So this is my normal. This is yeah. how mm-hmm. people grow babies. <laughs> yes. um, but obviously it must have been different. I think, so initially we weren't in lockdown when I found out I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Ben and I found out I was pregnant on New Year's Eve so it was before any restrictions had come into place and I think we were probably all watching it on the news in in China not in Mm -hmm. Europe yeah absolutely Um, yeah so I think we were quite lucky in that sense because Mm. we got to share that initial bit with our family face to face and tell them that I was pregnant and they were around Mm. and that was you know all quite and I got to tell work and friends and things like that in a very normal way yeah so 
I think the restrictions came in in, Mar- in March a year ago. So that was between sort of 12 and 20 weeks for me. I must have been about 15, 16 weeks mm. pregnant. So that's when things were different. And I guess that's when things, I, I think from my perspective, I feel like I missed out on some things in pregnancy yeah. from that stage on. Mm. I, su- I suppose you got to see, I'm assuming face-to-face a midwife for your booking because it was within that pre-March period of time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I went to the booking, which went ahead as as normal. And then Ben and I went to the 12-week scan. So we were really lucky that we were still Mm. both allowed to go to that. And there were no changes in the hospital or anything. And that was quite important because I think up until then, particularly for Ben, he had no sort Mm. of realisation that we were actually having a baby. It feels a bit (laughs) fake until you see it and someone says, yeah, you're definitely pregnant and you're there together watching the screen. So we got that bit together. And then for after that, Ben wasn't allowed to come to appointments. Mm-hmm. And actually all my midwifery, like community midwife appointments were face to face. Oh, brilliant. Luckily. So I don't know mm. why, <laughs> but I'm not complaining. She sort of allowed me to come to the, the community centre for them all, even though I think on the... Uh, social media sort of the what Brighton put out some of they would say like this week appointment will be face to face this one will be over the phone mm-hmm. actually all of mine ended up being face to face and I think brilliant there was just some discretion about whether it was needed whether you were a first-time mum and you wanted the face-to-face mm. appointment or not mm. I think I was probably just that little bit earlier than yes. all of the yeah. really serious restrictions that there was always some flexibility mm. yeah definitely. which so timing worked. worked in your favor yeah absolutely. yeah just yeah yeah and that makes such a difference doesn't it because actually your midwife appointments you have so many questions and you kind of you know you you look forward to them measuring your tummy and trying to listen to the heartbeat and all the things that you have done that you can't yeah. do over the phone you know it sort of doesn't feel quite the same no exactly and for me the hearing the heartbeat that was really important. So the 12 week scan, mm. I still felt a bit detached, a bit like that's not mm. really my, that's not happening to me. That's happening <laughs> over there. But hearing the heartbeat was when I felt, oh, there's someone inside, there's someone yeah. growing and, and this is part of my body as well. Mm. So if I hadn't had that, I think I probably would have felt a bit removed from the whole process until we yeah. near the end. When we did antenatal appointments back when I was on more of sort of a, a clinical based role as a caseloading midwife, every single time we listened to the baby's heartbeat was always a special few minutes. Mm. Even actually for us as midwives, because, you know, you can feel the joy radiating off the parents when they hear the actual little, we're like, oh, there it is. And yeah. it's like... Everyone just takes this quiet moment just to like listen in and and as cheesy as it sounds, just to kind of hear new life right there being created. Yeah. It's just, you know, miraculous really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that that's the whole thing for pregnancy for me, I found was just it's it's amazing. Like the yeah. science that, pe- that midwives can hear and tell you all of this stuff that's going on and no one can see what's happening. <laughs> yeah. I've just found that more astonishing than actually growing a baby. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the science and behind then, it. And even as that bump grows and grows and you're like, yeah, and, the mo- and you feel the movement and you have these appointments, it still feels so surreal when the baby arrives that that baby's been inside mm. for all those months and that was what you were feeling and hearing and that's a yeah. human being i know no. <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely what about your 20 week scan were you able to go to that together or was that 
on your no, own? No, so by then, the, so everything was more strict and sort of as yeah. we expected it to be, I think. So I went to that on my own. Yeah. Which, um, it was fine. You know, yeah. over, obviously it would have been nicer to have been with someone. Um, mm. But there was nothing wrong. The scan, you know, went well. So, it, it, you know, it felt fine and was all okay. I do know of people sort of friends or mums I've met who have had some tricky news at that Mm, point and being on their own and I think although now things are fine the Mm. memory of hearing some bad news on your own is quite traumatic Um, absolutely so even though everything's okay and babies are fine they've still they're still holding on to that yeah so it would have been really hard I think if I'd gone and and had some information that I didn't want to hear yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely and what about birth preparation? Were you able to do much? Because I know like a lot of the classes and courses went online. And so some people, you know, some people did use them. Some people didn't access them. Were you able to do much birth prep? I had a real expectation of what pregnancy would be like. And I re- this comes from a really privileged position to be able to say, I wanted to do baby yoga and go to see physios and have massages and join all yeah. these groups. Like I realised I'm already in a position, mm. I should be thankful to be able to have that you know available to me so I don't mean to be complaining but at the same time quite a lot of that was taken away so my expectation of how that nine months would be had to change and I think I did as much prep as I possibly could Mm -hmm. online rather than face to face so I joined anything that was available so I did um hypnobirthing via zoom which was you know really really helpful Mm -hmm. and now I've been through labour I think that made all the difference yeah but at the time I was thinking I really wanted to meet mums that's why yes. I wanted to do this I wanted to meet mums who were in the same stage as me and I could have talked to them about it and that zoom's just not the same yeah I know we're all used yeah. to it but it's just it's not the same it's as not. meeting face to face at all <laughs> when you do courses online and then you actually do meet people face to face which has happened with me with the antenatal class I run but also with the course I'm doing I'm doing a complementary therapy um for midwives diploma at the moment and then seeing last weekend for one in-house course day it was people were shorter or they were taller or they had yeah. different colored eyes <laughs> or they just I, it was so weird like they were just yeah. I thought I knew what they looked like and then I had to like double take and work out which box they were in on zoom <laughs> yeah <laughs> because actually in in the flesh we are all just slightly different aren't we and just that the atmosphere you don't get that do you in the same way and we joined an NCT group so we did that online as well you got some you know some knowledge from doing that and hopefully build up your confidence a bit with the hypnobirthing and the gaining more knowledge about what to expect although albeit not face to face Mm. yeah I think it gave me the information regardless of you know how that was presented and for for me the whole I mean my personality is I want to sort of be in control and know what's Mm. going on and have all the evidence all the information so it helped but it is though um, isn't it though it can be really empowering and Mm. I think we sometimes I sort of think to myself oh because I I teach the courses so much and I sort of trying to bundle in 17 years of of being in midwifery into it and Becky's exactly the same with all of her experience as a doula and sometimes I feel like and I know it's so silly I feel like I'm teaching women to suck eggs and then I have to remember no wait a minute just because I know this and I've lived this for so long this is new information Mm. and often oftentimes at the end of the sessions it's the partners 
Um, and especially fun, funny enough, male partners who will come mm. up to me and say, thanks for the science behind what's going on there. Because yeah. actually yeah. that that's given me, I, I understand it all a lot better now as to what to expect and why things yeah. are happening. Completely. I think that made all the difference for Ben, so mm. the, the practicality around it rather than the sort of, emotional side and what sort of yes. emotional support needs to be there actually i need to know what's going to happen to, yep. to rachel's body how's that going to work yeah and absolutely then i had a hospital appointment as well which ben couldn't come to quite near the end and they offered uh, whether i wanted to be induced early and it was the information that it was you know i wouldn't have been able to make a decision mm. without it because i was on my own no one to ask what do you think they've just explained yeah. to us what this means but i could remember the, in the hypnobirthing course and Laura talking to us about what induction means and whether you have to have it and how you can say no mm. and if you do have it what you can then do and so all of that you know I pulled that all in I could remember it and think Brilliant. actually I can make an informed decision rather than feel overwhelmed yeah, in a time when it's very overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> it can be when it feels yeah. sometimes like you're being talked at and I don't mean that in a mm. derogatory way because there are I mean I as a midwife, I'm forever grateful for the obstetricians and the skills that they have and the other midwives, the more experienced midwives than myself. But I think sometimes what I hear from women is that when you're in that room with those health professionals with all their experience, whether it's intended or not, it sometimes can feel a little bit overwhelming that, well, this is what I'm being told is the best thing to do. And if I go against the grain, does that mean I'm not doing the best for my baby? Mm. Is that, does that mean I'm making a choice that, you know, could backfire and be have negative implications? So I think that that's such a good point. And having, again, that little bit of preparation beforehand mm. to know just how to have those conversations with confidence and not to be embarrassed about your voice and how important that mm. is in the in the narrative when these decisions are being being made and created, I think is so important. Rachel, you you decided in the end that home birth was yeah. um, what you wanted for your birth, ideally. <laughs> that was your plan A. Uh, yeah. How did you come to that decision? And can you tell us a little bit more about mm. it? It was a bit of a last minute decision. <laughs> Although it was a planned decision, I wasn't 100% sure until the actual day that I went into labour about what we were going to do. I think two things. So I think my personality and the pandemic, I felt I needed to look at all the options and mm -hmm. have as many options available to me as possible. Yeah. Yep. So I booked everything. <laughs> so obviously you can have a hospital birth. And then in my head, I thought, oh, I'll go to a birthing centre. That's yeah. That would be my number one decision. So I looked into that and I booked Did a Did you look at Cobra? Centre. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes, Cobra. Yeah. So I got to go and have a look around and register there. And I also booked for home birth as well. So I knew that I just needed to have the options available mm. and they might be taken away. So at one point in pregnancy, birthing centre wasn't an option. We weren't allowed yeah. to go there. So I think that probably, although all these little things during pregnancy probably led me to think, actually, I'll go for a home birth because yeah. all these other things I have less control about. And they might be taken away the day before I go into labour because of whatever the restrictions are. So I'll just open all my doors and then yeah. <laughs> I can have the best possibility to have what I want. So we went through the whole process thinking we'd go for a birthing centre. I think the midwives probably were trying to get me to have a home birth. And I don't know if that's because 
Home births are very popular in Brighton. It's a really good they service. Are. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I wonder if it's talked about more. And I do think as well, there is, you know, you were saying about this flexibility because it mm. it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? To be in a position with a first time mum where we don't know what birth is like for ourselves. Yeah. We don't know what we're going to feel like. So we're being asked to make a decision on something. We have no idea how we're going to mm. be in that in that situation. Yeah. And so what I often say to my clients is the good thing about having a, ho- like applying for a home birth or, or saying I'm going to have a home birth is there's a freedom to go to hospital if you still want mm. to. Mm. But if everything's going swimmingly, you don't have to go to hospital. You can stay where you are. Whereas yeah. I have had some women booked into hospitals and birth's been so quick and easy at home that they're then like, oh, I want to stay here. And I'm like, well, we can't now. We have to go in because, you yeah. know, it's so, so it's, it gives you that freedom, doesn't it, to see how it goes. And absolutely, like you just said, I think as new mums, you don't realise there's a choice. You don't realise yeah. there's options out there. You think you just have to sort of do what, what you see and what's expected. So it's yeah. nice to, yeah, have everything available to you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I like that you had all the plans. I love that. Absolutely we always see everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, you just never know what you're going to want on a day. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and it very much goes um, with... Becky always talks about doing an ABC birth plan, which I've totally yeah. nabbed from her and I talk okay. about it in all my classes <laughs> because I think it's so fantastic to sort of think about the what ifs, get yourself a little mm. backup plan in place mm. because then it feels like however birth unfolds and even if birth looks completely different to the three plans that you had or preferences <laughs> you had, I bet you anything you can find elements in those three scenarios that you can bring in on the day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. So towards the end, as we were getting sort of closer to Elodie arriving, Ben's view was more let's have a home birth. Mm-hmm. So he was leaning towards that, which he was quite against at the beginning. So I think it's, um, I think it might be what you were saying about he had spent the nine months thinking about what can we bring to the birth? And actually the easiest way to do that is at home because we've got mm. everything. We've got our surroundings. We've got all our things. We can make it how we want it to be. Yeah. You can have a partner in until you are four centimetres yeah. dilated and Absolutely. in active labour. And That was a big one, you know, Rachel. Mm. That was a big reason why a lot of women chose to birth at home because then that restriction was out. And then alongside, yeah. I don't know if you're going to mention this, the fact that you had the midwives coming to you, you'd have one midwife come and then a second is called and suddenly yeah. you've got all of your community right mm. there. I think I think that was a big... I, at the time, I didn't really realise that that was mm. why I was making a decision. But I think yeah. now I can look back and think, oh, actually, all of these... I, I think I felt like it was my decision. Whereas yeah. now, I think actually there were elements which were part of the sort of pandemic and also just sort of the the nature of having a baby that influenced it so sort of external reasons so birth was so affected because what we know is how important that early stage of labor is for setting Mm. the tone of your labor and also for what your hormones are doing Mm. and and so for us in the maternity field whilst we understood that restrictions had to be in place and people had to work in a safe environment taking somebody's kind of safety net away from them which Mm. is usually our partner right our partner is usually the person that we feel most comfortable with and most relaxed with Mm. to have that removed we were like well how is that going to help the hormones play Mm -hmm. out as they and and what impact is that you know it really worried us actually and yeah we we know that you know it was really hard for a lot of a lot of our ladies so it was a a very difficult time actually I think it would have just increased the anxiety and that's the opposite way you want to be feeling when you need to be letting your body go. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to be tensing up. Yeah, I think the the other thing about an important... I really wanted my mum to be with us. That that had always been the plan. And she was in our support bubble. 
so she was in the building in my house when we were, when I went into labour. So that wouldn't have happened if I'd gone to a birthing centre or to hospital because you could mm. only have one person. Yeah. So that was quite a big influence on the decision as well, just knowing that she'd be able to be close by if needed and soon after baby was here. Because yeah. if I had to stay in hospital or something like that, then no one would have been able to, you know, see the, see the baby or my mum wouldn't have been able to help even though she yeah, was, was allowed because makes... she was our bubble and yeah definitely Becky I don't know if I've ever told you this but no, at my on. home birth when I had Toby I had the most sen- hilarious scenario with the amount of people that were there have I told you this <laughs> I so, so. I, we talk about most things but I think I might not have <laughs> yeah. said this I had an unplanned home birth for my first baby because things progressed quite intensely and quite quickly. <laughs> and uh, my friend came, who was a, a friend of mine I worked at the hospital with. She was one of my midwife colleagues and buddies. And she arrived and uh, she examined me at home. And it was only sort of about four hours after things had got started and I was nine centimetres dilated. So I ended up oh, staying. Wow. We we're like, we're not going to make it in. We're going to stay here. I don't know how this ended up happening. But so then there's me, there's Claire, there's Dan. And then my the plan was always that my sister and my mum I don't know why this, this at the time I just kind of wanted to bring people into the fold. I think initially because I wasn't planning You're an extrovert, birth. that's why. <laughs> like yeah, totally. I like an audience. <laughs> so I planned that they were going to come, but initially it was going to be that they would come and sort of support me while I was in labour and then we'd head off into the hospital. Obviously that yeah. didn't happen and I ended up staying at home, didn't I? But then another friend of mine a really good friend of mine from the hospital who my kids are like named after she's one of my best buds she like arrived as well and then for some reason another midwife had heard that we were having this baby at home and she arrived with her student (laughs) and so there was this point where I was in the bedroom on the floor and I did this thing where I I was on all fours but I put my head under the valance of under the bed because I did that thing where because of the oxytocin being such a shy hormone I just wanted to sort of get into the coziest little corner cave, to just let my yeah. body do its thing so I was under the valance breathing through this huge surge and then I popped my head out afterwards I was like where did all these people come <laughs> from there were literally one two three four five six seven people in the room plus me wow. and when Toby arrived there were nine of us in our bedroom <laughs> it was just crazy I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode, but now for a little ad break. We are really enjoying partnering with Sophie Le Girard for this season of the podcast, and we'd encourage you to head over to their website, sophielegiraffe.co.uk, to discover some brand new Sophie products, as well as the whole range which is available directly on the site. We have been on our social media showcasing just a small sample of what you can find over there and we'd love to see your photos with Sophie. So please tag them with hashtag Sophie Le Giraffe UK and hashtag notes from the mother box. And now back to the second part of our chat. 
both Becky and I have had a home birth as well, Rachel. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, you know, I, I've had hospital and home birth. And to be perfectly honest with you, both really, really positive experiences. Neither yeah. went quite to my birth plan, but they both had lovely, lovely elements about them. But, you know, how was the, the big day? How was the time when Elodie actually arrived? What was that like for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have great memories of the day. I feel like it was one of the best days ever. Obviously, it's relatively painful, but also wonderful and completely manageable. That's my memory of mm, labour. Amazing. Yeah, so I'm really pleased that that's how I can look back on it. So I think I must have gone into labour sort of early morning and was in denial, which is why it was a bit of a last minute decision to stay at home because I just pretended I wasn't in labour all day. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's the best way though, isn't yeah. it? Because we often <laughs> say... It. It, it can take a while and sometimes it's a bit like watching paint dry because it's like mm. oh here's another contraction here's another one and mm, often yeah. in the early stages they're just softening and thinning so you're not even dilating yet you know and sort of yeah. those are the ones it's best to ignore if you can you know it's sort of quite good to pretend like you say pretend it's not happening it's not happening yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that's what I did so we so again in August restrictions were so a bit of the pregnancy restrictions were quite tight and then they eased up again by August over the summer oh, yes. and um in the morning I said to Ben oh, I think I might be in labor did an online relaxation class pretending everything's fine and I really need to get this baby coming because she's late and I need to be really relaxed we went out for breakfast. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. I know. Yeah. And I sat there and I was going, I think this might be a contraction <laughs> whilst having breakfast in a cafe. You know, Rachel, <laughs> this is another po- another point where the restrictions had worked in your favour and eased Absolutely. so that you could go and do something like that because that I is such a, such a treat before the baby arrives. Yeah. Isn't it? Just have yeah. a little last, you know, just out and again, something lovely and normal, but just the two of you probably yeah. hugely help those hormones along their way as well. Yeah, true. I th- yeah, I presume so. I presume I was just mm. relaxed and pretending everything was fine and that's why it all happened so easily so yeah so we spent the day pretending everything was okay baby wasn't coming um spent the day out so this is from about 9 a.m till about 4 I think I was having contractions out and about wandering around got home at 4 and actually the minute I got through my door that was it I just cried I think it suddenly my body was like no you're allowed to be in labor now you're allowed to just relax and let yourself go (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should so have come true. home earlier. <laughs> but doesn't it show you as well, like we often talk to women about how big a part your mind plays in your birth. Mm. The fact that because you were out, your your mind was like, no, no, let's just keep it, mm. keep it low key. And then yeah, the minute you get true. in the door, it's like, and here I am, you know, it's sort of like. <laughs> Literally, my, I like bent over onto the kitchen table and like yeah. from then didn't move. I think I was on all fours or bent from then until she <laughs> yeah. arrived. Like suddenly I let myself go. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, I got home. I would say now, on re- in reflection, that I must have been in active labour by then, because <laughs> it was yeah. pretty quickly. Sort of, they were very regular. Still ignoring what was happening, went and had a bath. I was like, no, no, it's fine. We don't need to call the midwives yet. It's fine. <laughs> then I got that app. You know that um, you can time your contractions and it tells yeah. you. So I did downloaded that. Did and it that. said, make and your way into hospital. In labor, like, baby is coming. <laughs> exactly. So we finally thought we better call someone, which yeah. is probably now we sh- really should have called someone earlier on in the day just to give them a heads up. Yeah. Yeah, but, just yeah. To, like, to let them know things are going on. What When they yeah. arrived, what, what were their findings? So they didn't arrive until 9 p.m. 
because right. there were no midwives available. So this is oh, why I should have told Rachel. them earlier. Yeah, we do say sometimes <laughs> just give give a heads up because then they should can have done that. To it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I really list. should have done that. So they were already at home birth, so there were no midwives available. So they had to get someone who was due to come on a night shift to do a hospital. You know, it was there was all this yeah, discussion yeah. going on. So that's what. Ben spent most of the time, you know, liaising on the phone and I was just left to oh, it yes. on my own. In the As room. it should be, because you, yes. you know, that stops <laughs> you true. from losing that focus. And that's from being, true. you know, and obviously the midwives will often say to partners, let me have a have a, a chat with mum to be because we need to hear how you sound and how long the surges are and how long they're lasting for, how powerful right. can you talk when you're having one. But all those other intricacies and just having the conversation about the planning and the preparation, that that can go over yeah. to the partner. So you can focus yeah. on what you're doing. Yeah, I didn't need to get involved in that at all. I could just hear mm. there was this logistical issue going on and I yeah. get little tiny updates, but not loads. So then they, they arrived at, so I've been at home between 4 and 9 p.m. We've yeah. been waiting all that time for a midwife and she arrived yes. at 9 and she walked through the door and honestly, the tension just left like completely knowing oh my god somebody's there and it's all gonna be fine and I'm not gonna have to deliver a baby myself (laughs) Um, which wouldn't have happened but you know just having someone who knows what they're doing just even just in the area even if they're not right next to you just completely makes you feel Mm. at ease so yeah so she arrived at nine and I was eight centimeters so Yeah, so I felt like I was pretty there, ready weren't you, to darling? Go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gas in her. Yeah, that's good when you get that finally, isn't it? Like, heaven. <laughs> yeah, oh, and then um, gas in her. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never had that before, and that was just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then she called the second midwife, like you say. Um, when she arrived, she called them straight away, and they arrived with a student midwife as well. So I had three midwives in total. Um, and they got there at 9.30 and Elodie was born at 9.50. Oh, so wow. It, was quite efi- it feels like it was quite efficient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and from no midwives again, a bit like me, suddenly, you yeah. know, <laughs> suddenly, oh, I've got <laughs> six, <laughs> six hands to help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I was just going to say that absolutely love a student midwife at a birth yeah. because they are they're just... I'm like as a bit of an umbrella but certainly myself I remember when I was a student especially but whenever I've mentored students so enthusiastic so mm. just the magic I mean the magic of birthing mm. never goes but Becky don't you think with student midwives or the, the certainly they bring an element to it oh definitely I still remember the student midwife that came to my home birth and she sat down beside the pool I was kind of with my first birth I needed so much reassurance and I had I needed everybody right close by with my second I I actually need quite a lot of space but I remember kind of I must have been edging into transition and she just sat for ages pouring water from from a jug down my back and it was heavenly and she Mm. just did I mean she must have been there for about an hour it was so lovely it's just kind of as I was kind of in that you know that pause before you start Mm. pushing and I still remember how just calm and attentive she was actually it was amazing Uh, and also it's a privilege for all of us but you can really really tell with when student midwives are in the house that they they bring that sort of element of like feeling so privileged to be there and it's just lovely to have them on board for sure definitely yeah and so how was the actual birth was 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 it all right did you push for long I I don't feel like I pushed for long like you were just talking about the transition I remember the lead midwife saying 
soon you'll go you'll go a bit out of it you know and then mm. and it will change and then I will go and I said to her can you guide me through can you give yeah. me as much communication as possible and she said and I'll guide you through when to push and when not to push and I remember saying to her like I'm ready I'm ready to push there was no mm. transition there was no pause between oh, I'm wow. just let's yeah, just so go funny, isn't it yeah Amazing. so then yes yeah, so I think my memory is that was very very quick actually getting yeah. Elodie out and she was still in the uh uh, amniotic is that it? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yes. yeah. So oh, that's very auspicious, isn't it? Meant to be lucky. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> meant to mean that they're, they're, they're very special people. Oh well, of course. <laughs> of course she and, is. And, and also, darling, that they'll be safe at sea, which um, oh, really? is, yes. is convenient considering we all live down on the south coast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I should take her for a swim. <laughs> yeah, because didn't um, sailors used to use some of it? They used to sell some of the sack, didn't they, from an uh, from an on cow baby, and then they'd have it on the front of tight on the front of boats to keep them safe at sea. Oh really? It's to be, yeah traditionally oh. back in the day apparently okay vlogged it for a fortune yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> selling it to the fisher boats yes. yeah. <laughs> the actual birth bit she was elodie was completely fine but the actual birth bit right at the end there was a there was that you know that you see on programs where suddenly everything goes a bit quiet and mm-hmm. and there's something a bit more serious so there was that bit where it went a bit quiet and the Faye, the lead midwife, just said, get out the pool, get out the pool, which is very hard to do when there's mm. someone coming out between your legs and it's a very high pool. <laughs> I was like, so I remember going, I can't get out. How am I meant to move? <laughs> so I got hiked out by everyone. And then she just said squat. It was just very clear. Like she was very, very calm. And then suddenly you just get really clear direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, and you don't need to think. You've just got someone saying, get out, squat. And then Elodie, Elodie was out. And that was, worked. Was the head, had the head been she born already? So the head was out, but it hadn't turned okay. or something. So I think she, so, so she'd come out and was facing like to the left or to the right or right. something. So yeah. and and it was and wasn't turning mm-hmm. to, in order to get the rest of herself out. Yeah. So the getting out the pool, which actually I had read about in the preparation, that getting yes. out the pool is often the motion which helps the babies yeah. finally get helps out. The mecha- helps the mechanics of labour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then that she li- it felt literally felt like she, I said to Ben, felt like the world just fell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, yeah, just everything body. just falls out, and it's a wonderful feeling. She obviously did her little turn, like released her her shoulder and then the next the next thing you knew she was out yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely and she was um she had her cord around her neck and was right so so it was i I say it was really easy and it all went really well and actually that's probably not great but she was she was fine so yeah um some of our plan you know you make this birth plan for like for ben to cut the cord and for us Mm -hmm. to have delayed cord clumping and all right so all that just went out the way ultimately the mid, you know, the midwife just had to get her okay, unwrap her, and get her breathing, and yeah. get her out of her it membranes. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and less than less than sixty seconds, you know, and everything's yeah. all fine. Give her a bit yeah. of a rigorous rub with the towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly that. And that's the thing, isn't it? We make these plans, but it's always, you know, in an ideal situation. That's why we always say there's got to be a plan B and C, mm. and then in the moment you have to do what you need to do as well. So yeah. you know yeah amazing and then obviously you birthed your baby you birthed the placenta and then you're going into the postnatal period you've got these three midwives at the house obviously at some point they've got to leave you to it yeah (laughs) yeah how did that feel the midwives leave the door closes it's just you Ben and Elodie what was that like yeah 
that first probably 24 hours, I actually find quite hard to remember. So I think I was probably just in shock. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think happens a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I, although everything went smoothly and I have great memories of it, I, I it just is, I want to say traumatic, but not in a negative way, but it is just emotional and physical trauma. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's mm-hmm. huge. And all the hormones and the the changes are, are completely, you know, and often when, when we talk to women about initially how they feel after they've had mm. the baby how, how are you going to feel after you have the baby this is in preparation by the way and you know often you'll say they'll say oh completely in love with my baby elated delighted mm. and then a couple will say a bit shaky and perhaps a bit in shock exhausted and mm. it's like absolutely all of these feelings are mm. completely normal and obviously something that you experienced afterwards which many many women do yeah. yeah. And I don't I don't think we talk enough as well about the fact that hormonally, kind of evolutionary, once our baby's born, the hormones that are released put us into a state of hypervigilance because it's, you know, evolutionary, mm. we need to respond to that baby every time it cries. So it's 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 fascinating and it's very clever, but in our modern day world where there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of noise online and all that kind of stuff actually that can feel really overwhelming because Mm. we're in a state of hypervigilance and we live quite busy we're not in some quiet tribal village where we're being kind of you know spoon-fed soup and you know massaged loads and so there's not much to help the hormones come down so a lot of us get stuck in this state of hypervigilance and that's why um when women come for massage we do loads of calming the nervous system because Mm. otherwise I mean I was like a tightly wound spring for days Mm. after yeah no absolutely I completely felt like that very Mm. I'm not very really an anxious person but I think I was just anxious for weeks um Mm. and like you're talking about the hypervigilance I I found it very hard to switch off even when you know Lydia was fine she was fed she was sleeping someone's watching her I would Mm. still just be on alert Mm. all the time and was quite shaky actually physically shaky for a few days which is why I think of it as shock because it's you know a bit like like trauma like postnatal trauma Mm. or something it is and also the that reactive part of your brain just sort of Mm. keeps skipping a beat and everything exactly as Becky was just saying you find that a small thing can sort of spin you out and you think like Mm. you say that's funny I'm not an anxious person why does it feel that way but it is obviously you you've been however straightforward it looked on paper your birthing your body has been through pregnancy it has put the effort into birth a baby it then has to round the clock look after this new human being doesn't matter what it looks like and how grateful we should be for the fact it was our plan a and everything went the way we were expecting it's still going to be obviously quite a big transition for us after they arrive no absolutely and and that's it my you know my pregnancy was easy my labor was easy I wanted a baby but and I you know I loved her and I felt a huge amount of care for her like you know she's my responsibility and I need to protect her and that's how I'd want to feel but also those first I'd say first few weeks it's it's a huge responsibility which is really scary Mm, and you don't know what that feels like if you've never had one it's like wow actually I've got to keep this person alive that's very different to any other responsibility I've ever had yeah Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, alongside that quite a sense of loss for me the first Mm. few weeks in terms of sort of I've lost my I haven't lost my job but I don't go to work anymore I don't see my friends anymore I can't put myself first anymore I um 
don't have time to go to the toilet <laughs> like, yeah. things like that just this huge sense of actually where 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 have I gone you know I've got mm-hmm. to become this new person mm. my whole life has changed yeah. and I, so I sort of describe it as this sort of sense of grieving really yeah for my old life which I knew would happen I knew my mm. life would change and I was happy for that and I think that's you know that's right you have you mm. I felt like I had to give up a certain sense of myself in order to have a baby mm. but actually feeling that suddenly one day everything changes it's not yeah. slow process it's I overnight totally agree. <laughs> Rachel when yeah. I used to be a family nurse so I used to specialize mm. in working with teenage mums and their partners okay. and families and one of the facilitators that we used to use so we used to go through plans with them I loved the program it was fantastic it, it was real privilege working on this for yeah. five years and one of the pages and you've just completely reminded me that I used to go through before the babies arrived with my young mums Mm. was name five things you lose and five things you gain when you become a mother Mm. and I have to say it was a really powerful exercise because it's really it's just validating to the fact Mm. that it's okay to recognize that things are going to change some things you'll miss and some things will be better than they were before Mm. and that's all right to sort of to know that that's the hard thing is having um for me the hard there are a few little hard there are some practical hard things like mm. feeding but the emotional hard bit was having those two very conflicting feelings going on in tandem that actually I've gained so much and I'm I'm very lucky and this is wonderful but mm. I've just lost so much and it and and you're not I say you're not really allowed obviously you are allowed but people don't necessarily want to hear you say you've yeah. lost a lot <laughs> Yeah. I know so, what you mean because you feel like you're being ungrateful but I always say to my mm. husband because we've been together since we were in sick form right so we had years and yeah. years before we had babies we were together for 12 years before our first was born and yeah. I always said to him afterwards you know it's a good thing that I feel that loss because it just goes to show what brilliant time we had in our 20s absolutely it was so good that we didn't want to let it go and sort of yeah. have to be selfless for a change yeah I know yeah 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 <laughs> No, absolutely. It's a wonderful sign. (laughs) And I think we need to talk about it more because it's okay. And I remember actually there was, um, I didn't do antenatal classes because I had already worked as a doula for ages. And, but I did, there was a yoga group and it was quite funny because within the first two weeks of us all having our babies, the group kind of split in half because one of the mums made a joke about selling her baby on eBay and I laughed along and said yeah I nearly left her on the street corner the other day Mm -hmm. and of course I was joking it's just she kept me up all night and I was knackered and that's my humor I like to banter Mm. my way through and and there was a a definite half of the group who were like no no we don't talk about this you know we're so lucky to have babies which is fine if that's how you you roll but the rest of us were like and then I think the lady that made the joke said to me do you want to go to the pub and I was like yes please (laughs) and so we went in the pub and it was like breastfed our babies had a coffee but it still in a pub it made yeah. me feel better because I was in a pub you know and it was like you find your tribe and you find the you people do. that allow you to have those conversations because but also when, as, as our kids get older Becky and just sort of mm. thinking about that what do we teach them and I'm I come from a perspective obviously Becky's got teens I've got a nine and an eight and a four-year-old we teach them that all feelings are valuable mm-hmm. and they're all valid and there are no bad emotions and mm. you're allowed to feel a full spectrum of emotions. That's the most healthy and important way to feel. And yeah. so afterwards, though, in contradiction, we're saying you've just spent nine months growing a baby. Perhaps there was a fertility journey. Perhaps there wasn't. We don't know the background to it. You've then gone through birth. Your body has physically birthed a baby, either vaginally or 
or you know a c-section and then postnatally you now have to look after a child around the clock and you're not allowed to feel all the emotions that come with such a huge humongous life-changing experience it feels to me like a real contradiction of terms I have to say yeah and I think it's getting better I think social media wise you know celebrity blogger mums are talking about it more but Mm. it still feels like you have to be you have to be confident in yourself and in your, mm. you know, your bubble to be able to say it really openly. And for me, yeah. that's that's been the most important thing after having Elodie is just being really frank with people. And yeah. it opens up so much conversation. So, Rachel, do you have any advice for any mothers who find themselves in your situation? Because obviously we are still in a pandemic and it's still petering along. Mm. Anything that helped you to kind of plan and prepare and get ready for like either the birth or postnatally? Because obviously it's a very different time for postnatal mothers. Because when I had mine, we were in cafes. You know, I had yeah. my sort of time at home, but we were in cafes. We were all hanging out. We had like regular meetups in each other's houses. Anything that you've done that's been helpful? that you could give a tip for any other mums? Yeah, I, I mean, I like you were the cafes and things like that, that does feel like that would have been really helpful postnatally yeah. when you're wobbly and you want someone, you want to be with someone who's feeling the same as yeah. you and a bit of normality, you know, because yeah. you've lost yourself. You want some normality, but the world's not normal at the moment, is it? Yeah, no. But there are, lot, no, there are lots of things. I think sort of, as I've said, sort of pre- preparing, so joining anything online, Mm-hmm. even though at the time when I was doing the sort of hypnobirthing in the NCT I didn't really think this is going to help much or this is going to make much difference I'm just going to mm-hmm. go along with it and see what happens I think it makes all the difference now mm-hmm. because I just give, it gives you information that you weren't necessarily aware of which you might not you know when you're learning that stuff you don't necessarily think it's useful but you might draw on it at some point later mm-hmm. down the yeah. line and if you haven't done prep and you're just sort of going with the flow, which is one way to do it. Some people are much more relaxed than me and can just go with the flow, which is great. But if you can't, then I would say just do as much prep as you can, because I think that in a time when sort of everything feels very out of control, that is the only control that you Mm. can have. So I guess that, I guess sort of my advice would be is take control of what you can control and not worry about the rest. Ultimately the end result's all the same. You're going to have a baby and you will make it work however hard or easy it, you know it is when your baby arrives you, you yeah, have yeah. to you have to muddle through so the result will be the same but control what you can along the way so if you can go to a course online mm. learn something read something follow people on social media that's actually been really invaluable for me um mm. following other mums in their pregnancy journey and then hearing about their their sort of feeding or they're they're now weaning and all of that stuff that they're doing has been my way of meeting up with someone in a cafe Mm, and having a chat about what's going on I think that's that's just it you can control all of that yourself regardless of what's going on yeah Rachel this next question I'm going to ask you might be sort of (laughs) a little bit leading from what we were just discussing okay finally we always ask our guests the following question at the end of our podcast which is if you were to add a note to pop inside a mother box heading out to a brand new mum with your best bit of advice on it what would it be yeah so probably in summary i guess i would what from what i was just saying is control what you can control and let go of the other stuff 
and yeah, yeah. that's fine I know I know that's sort of quite a broad umbrella statement but no it's a good one yeah so things for me like having a playlist and having my bag packed and having yeah. a birth plan written up that's all of what I could control and whether home births were available or whether they were taken away because they have been at some points that's out of my control so yes. try not to worry about it yeah <laughs> no I think it's really easier useful. said than done so easier said than done yeah. and I think the thing is actually if you think about most of us you know we're a lot of us have careers and we're busy mm. and we kind of you know we live in a society where it's all about achieve 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 and mm. actually relinquishing control we don't do mm. it very often and mm. when I was training one of the obstetricians that I was training under he did an exercise one day where he asked us all to say one word that we thought summarised birth and uh, so we were doing the words and the words were all about like planning it was all still about having control and then at the end he said no and he just wrote one word down on a piece of paper and it was surrender and we were like oh it was kind of one of those aha moments where you're like oh I see yeah sorry we didn't get that bit (laughs) I like to when I do my yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I'm teaching my um, antenatal classes and sometimes my hypnobirthing, I'll do a little um, like birth bubble of control. And so we do a little circle in the middle and then we do a bigger circle on the outside. And in the middle, exactly as you were saying, Rachel, this is what I can control. This is what I can't control. And to, mm. to, you know, down to the, the, the ideas, I remember one of the ladies I worked with recently put down, you know, the obstetrician's experiences of birth. I can't control that. Mm-hmm. But what I can control is that if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm going to use my four four breaths in and my six breaths out. Yeah. And it, it was as simple as just trying to sort of understand that relationship with what's within mm. the remit of, of my own boundaries and what I have to just let go because it's it's something that's without, mm. it's beyond that. So Definitely. I think that's a really useful and valuable piece of information yeah. to share. Mm. Amazing. Oh, Rachel, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on. It was lovely thank to have you. a chat with you. And it's yeah, always nice to have to a talk. hear a birth story. We do love them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would thank do it all Rachel. again. So, yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Thanks once again to the lovely Rachel for joining us today and sharing her gorgeous home birth story with us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about the work that we do, look out for our books, The Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums and The Little Book of Self-Care for Mums-to-Be, where we will talk further about birth, parenthood, relationships and much more. We've really enjoyed this episode. We're sure that you will have your own stories of your bubbers and their love for our partner this season, Sophie Le Giraffe, and we would love for you to share them with us. Send us your photos and your stories to our Instagram at Notes from the Mother Box. And don't forget to tag at Sophie Le Giraffe UK on Facebook and Instagram to share your pics with her too. Join us again next week for more chats with another amazing guest. See you next time on Notes from the Mother Box. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details